Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, howdy, and welcome to Mount Rushmore, the podcast where we discuss and debate the Mount Rushmores of life. I'm Michael Winfield, and joined. Uh, I'm Michael Winfield, and joining me are my good friends Richard, hello, and Jeff. Was my bitches up? There you go. I thought you were going to work that in last week, but it never quite got there. Uh, if you did join us last week, um, usually Richard and myself are the ones that are debating uh, any sort of given topic, um, and Jeff is our judge and host. But we like to kind of, uh, you know, throw the gauntlet at him every, uh, you know, once or twice a year. Oh, I got that face. You just want to throw gauntlets at? Yeah, real, real gauntlety type. Like the, vid- the video game, we throw a whole, we throw a whole arcade game at them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Warrior needs food. And um, every once in a while, we like to get Jeff involved a little bit more, and you know. See what it's like. Mix it up. It's you know. It's, it's like it's like these nuts that we have that we're eating here. We have a big thing of mixed nuts, except they're all cashews. Okay, as the judge, I'd like to make a ruling: no nuts, guys. Come on, it's we're we're not professionals doing this, not in a uh, you know spare bedroom. So come on. So anyway, this week our topic is. I don't even know what the fucking topic is. One second. I Late got, show edition. Yeah, yeah, it's sitcoms. got a long talk. Hold on. This will be fun. Uh, this week, our topic is the Mount Rushmore of later in the run character additions to TV sitcoms. Uh, this is a mouthful of a choice, and it's Jeff's choice. And Jeff has a mouthful of nuts right now. <laughs> no, I do not. No, there's a one time I don't. Jeffrey D. Hopkins. Yeah. What's up? Well, I mean, we can all remember when 60 Minutes added Ed Bradley to try to get those ratings up, right? And you're watching it going, come on! Yeah, they needed to sex it up. They needed to sex it up with, okay, he's Bring somebody young in. He's he's edgy, Mm -hmm. adding Ed Bradley to try to get the Nielsen's to respond. Well, uh, I'm a fan of the sitcom format, and we all have these shows that we love passionately, and they're doing great in the ratings, and... We all know that things happen in shows, especially success can often spoil a show by uh, elevating the um, status of its stars or, um, you know, um, I don't know, making it so that they want to try to follow their success and have more sensational plot lines. So I've seen success destroy good shows. And sometimes the uh, what they end up doing to try to keep those ratings up or is adding a character that just doesn't quite fit. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that that's something I, I've seen happen a lot and I'm kind of fascinated with. So you mentioned that they add a character to a successful show. Do you find, do any of your choices, you know, before either of you, but spilling means, do either mm-hmm. of you have choices where the show is like going off the rails and they're like, we got to save this? Well, this and is not, it's not a, because of um, the, the success me... I've got an example where the success uh, was driven by the cast, and mm. the cast knows that, mm. and so they hold out for more money, or they decide that they they got to go start a, start a future film career, and so that was one of my choices. So. Okay, well, uh, this is Jeff's topic, uh, but Richard, you get to go first. All right, all right. So my first choice is from a t- the TV show Cheers, where I actually had a couple of options I could have gone from on this. 
Uh, but I did just give us your one option. No, I'm going to give you all of them, and then well, just to prove, okay. make a make a note that just, to just trying to just trying to prove how much this. how good I am. No, no, I am going with uh, Rebecca Howe, as played by Kirstie Alley. Rebecca, who, what, when, and, and where? <laughs> believe it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I believe Michael. You not too long ago kind of rewatched the show or kind of refound the show. We did, if I'm not and mistaken. I used, and I used to fall asleep watching Cheers growing up, so like I have like certain lines and bits and dialogue just like it's like that dream thing where it's like i've dreamt of the show for like all of my I mean, childhood Mash was like that as a kid i would see it my parents were watching and i kind of see it in the periphery so why'd you pick rebecca versus the other character wait wait wait, wait. hey it's wait, not wait, your wait, job wait, yeah, what's going on here oh sorry dude. michael why, why is my combatant hold, hold over on here trying to, trying to make guest a, host i'm gonna make a note uh-huh wait it's an extra sketch that's not even a laptop she got shake it even oh shake yeah start all over uh, so I, Richard, I, yes, Rebecca Howe. Why? <laughs> I chose her because I. It's one of the few instances where there was a, repl- a almost like a straight replacement character, where the show actually improved because of it. Um, the other one, obviously, I could have thought of. Uh, where I thought of for the show was Woody coming in after Coach, the actor who played mm-hmm. him, passed away, and also you know a great character, a great addition to the show, but was sort of a, always a secondary character anyway. You know, re- they brought Kirstie Alley in as Rebecca Howe to be a, the replacement for Shelley Long. And for the first however many, you know, four or five seasons of the show, that was the show, was the Sam and Diane thing. Yeah, yeah. But then she left to go, you know, go on to her, you know, as we all know, stellar movie career. Oh, Night Shift, yeah. Actually, that was before. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah. Michael, can we mute his? So you got the power over this. Have M- I been cut from the show? M U T E. That's how you do it, I think. Can I don't you do know that? How on, computers work? Can, can you do the M on the etch a sketch? It's tough to do. Shake it out again. Yeah, shake it out again. Hmm. No, so yeah, she went on. God, it's right around. I think she left to go do like Money Pit, or possibly Troop Beverly Hills. One of those two. So she decided that she wanted to go have this film career, and I think what they did is they made a really wise choice. Is they brought. A, they, they created a character who was not going to be a romantic interest for Sam Malone. They got away from the idea of, well, whoever the female is, if we're bringing in a female character, it has to be somebody who's going to be, they're going to, we're going to try to recreate that chemistry that they had. And you couldn't do that. So even though they kind of, Sam kind of, especially in the beginning, kind of had this like sort of lecherous pawing at her. Yeah, he pursued her definitely, and but she was always in a position of power. Right, she, right. She was always in a position of power, and she was always in a position to just sort of like shut it down and say that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, after like the first season or so, they kind of really de-emphasized that and kind of just made her. She is a single working person, you know, very ambitious and very stressed out and neurotic, and really just made her her own character. And it's that was always the great thing about Cheers, right? You had these very specific kind of characters, and then you could bring them in and say, "How would they fit into this world of this? This very everybody, you know, where everybody knows your name, you know, that that, that is very comfortable to the people who are already in there." So whether it's well, they 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 introduced love interest for her right, like kind of pretty consistently. Eventually, it, it you know the, the Tom Berenger at the end. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of like Robin Cole, uh, Robin Colcourt, right? Uh, uh, English, Roger Rees. Yes, thank you. Uh. Yeah, no, that they, they that was like I think when they were still trying to pursue the, it, this, it, are, 
is she going to hook up with Sam thing? Because mm-hmm. he was kind of, then would get kind of. He'd, he'd constantly try to break it. He'd, he would always be in the position of you're making a mistake and I'm not really a, I'm not really a better choice, but there's better choices out there. Mm-hmm. And then also still try to get with her. Well, I, I do remember there's one episode, I think Raph, after he broke up with her, Robin, like she got really drunk and he went over to check on her and she like yeah. threw, him, threw herself at him. And he was like, no, it's not happening. And yeah. put her back to bed. And that was like basically the last time they even went down that, that thread. No, they, they tried to have a baby later on. But that wasn't. But that wasn't like romantic. That was just like. Wasn't that more like some sort of. Anyway. Anyway, I I think one of the things the show did was whether it was a completely new character, or a character who is going to be on for a, maybe a recurring character, whether it's Lilith, or whatever the hell uh, Woody's girlfriend slash wife was, mm-hmm. um, or even these kind of more one off type of characters. A lot of that comedy came from what if you bring a new dynamic into the situation? I mean, it is a situation comedy. And so when you bring somebody like a Rebecca Howe type character who is wired differently than the character she's replacing, a lot of times that can totally you know, fuck up the dynamic of the show. And in this case, it didn't. I think it actually improved the dynamic and got it away from kind of a romantic comedy and allowed more of the, in a way it almost, I think it actually allowed a lot of the other characters to shine a little bit more because you weren't so tied up in like the Sam and Diane crap every mm. episode. Good pick. Yeah. I like it. I, I grew up with this show, but I don't really, it didn't really stick in my really? cultural craw. I don't know huh. why. I just, I, I remember the last episode when the cast got incredibly stupid drunk on the tonight show mm-hmm. and they basically had to cut them off. Yeah. That was, that, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the, be- by the way, one of the better uh, series finales, Yeah, I think. I think it's hard to end anything and sure. a series finale. Ironic gonna... that they brought back um, Diane for the last couple episodes for the series finale. Right. And then and then they would kind of have characters show up on Frasier occasionally. Yeah. Jeff, nah, what's I your I got nothing. I think that's pick. the show. Done and I feel like done. that's the show. All right. You can wipe your, uh, shake your uh, Etch-a-Sketch, Michael. Um, there's a dude... Uh, named Jack Burns, who figures somewhat in comedy history in a kind of high area because he he ended up kind of he was on the show Fridays. Do you remember the show Fridays that wasn't Saturday Night yes. Live? Yes. He was in a, a comedy duo with a guy whose last name was Carlin. There was a comedy duo called Burns and Carlin, and his comedy partner George Carlin went off to be huge. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, look him up. Uh, there's a guy he followed on a sitcom called The Andy Griffith Show named Don Knotts, and he basically played the same character, this kind of high-strung, um, officious uh, um, sheriff wannabe named uh, Warren Ferguson. And he kind of occupied the space that Don Knotts did, and I think it was this example of, of the feeling that people have when, they're, when their dog dies and they get a new dog. They think, you know what, this dog is great, but it's not sparky. Jack Burns yeah. was hilarious, and he did a lot of great work throughout his entire career. One one of the things he did was co-write the Muppet movie, right? Oh. Um, but he got uh, canceled um, on the show. And I think how many episodes? It's like eleven episodes in, um, and it was just not a good thing. So um, I always think of that character and think how hard it is to kind of fill the shoes as, of a just a lead character, and think no matter how good you are in life. Um, you 
you might not succeed because the audience wants the old thing so severely. They didn't explain why his character uh, disappeared, um, and he was just never mentioned again. Um, he got in a car accident with uh, Otis the drunk. Yeah, it could, it could have been he was that. Killed. I don't rem- I literally don't remember this character. Although I yeah. know who Jack Burns is, I don't remember. I just, I, I I remember Gomer being sort mm-hmm. of like pushed. But after after uh, Don Knotts left, I felt like they were like leaning on Gomer for a while. Then he left for Gomer Pyle. So uh-huh. then there's like Goober, yeah, right. Yeah. And then yeah. it, it, it was like Zeppo. Mm-hmm. I have I have no memory of him. Like I, yeah. he this was, was in a, this a, was a, this was a show that I watched like back to back with I Love Lucy when I was like home yeah. from school. Yeah, and it was just like oh, it was always on on like you know I'm sure ten o'clock mm-hmm. and ten ten a.m. or whatever. He was Floyd's Floyd mm-hmm. the barber's nephew. <laughs> Floyd is an interesting character too because uh, yeah, the actor who played Floyd suffered from a stroke um, in between uh, one season and the next. So um, there were scenes in the first um, one season where um, Floyd, as played by Howard McNear, is up and running around. And in the next season, he's always seen seated in his barber chair because he can't walk <laughs> anymore. So. Um, I had to look up Warren Ferguson to see mm-hmm. it to find a picture of him. I, still, no memory jog. But the pictures in color was that also when they switched to color? Yeah, I think after. So did like they they add color to the show and then add a new character and people were like, no, 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 you can't yeah. do two things. Yeah, <laughs> can't change my show up that much. But it does it does remind me of those things where somebody's replaced, but they'll never live on in the mind of as the original and also the Andy Griffith show people were kind of surprised after those stars left that the show and the settings were powerful enough that they still got pretty good ratings uh after um the leads started leaving so yeah that's my second choice uh, interesting that's your, your first, first choice. choice that's my first Did we choice. miss a choice no no are we busy shaking our etch sketches <laughs> and eating our nuts and and Jeff's knuckle pick in that's my first choice and I'll stand by it that's your first choice, Jeff. Thank you, Richard. All right, my numero sec- doso. Dose. Um, look, if you're gonna, if if the trope is named after the character, you should probably choose the character. So I'm going with cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. Um, that is the actual trope that has now been named yeah. as the the, the cousin, cousin Oliver. Oliver trope, which is when you bring in a new character, very specifically, usually a cute kid. Uh-huh. Precocious. Precocious is also a very good phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I have a whole laundry. You know, there's a whole laundry list of ones you could choose from here. Um, but generally speaking, this is this happens a lot when it's a show that's based around kids. Yeah, like a family. You know, you know, in the first season, the you know the guy family that's like. Ages like twelve to five. By the time you get like six, seven seasons in, half the kids are in college. Youngest kids in high school now. Suddenly, your cuteness factor has like plummeted. So what do we do? Oh, your cousin's going to come live with us, or oh, we're we're adopting a kid, or some yeah. some bullcrap reason to bring in a precocious, charming little kid. Bangs are never a good choice on a small <laughs> small child. <laughs> no, they aren't. Especially on him. They look. The Pete Rose look, you mean? It's not a it's uh, not, not a popular choice. Uh, played did by... they did they kill him off? Well, as much as they killed off the the entirety of the Brady Bunch, he was only on I think for the last half of the last season. Okay, so it he went off, he went off with Warren Ferguson somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> they, those those two guys haven't oh, been dear. seen again. <laughs> yeah, he was played by uh, cousin Oliver, played by Robbie Rist, which is interesting because he is this the Robbie Rist. Well. 
if you will wait a goddamn okay. second, Jeff. Um, I was going to say he's a for for a character that is so universally like loathed, yeah. And someone who, a character who, like I said, is up there with Fawn's jumping the shark in terms of like signifying the downturn of something. Robbie Rist as a as a as a person wound up having a pretty good career after that. Oh, he's done a lot of voice work. He did. Uh, well, he's Michelangelo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh. He uh, plays Stuffy in Doc McStuffins. Really? The Disney show, yeah. He also um, did the music for the Sharknado franchise. Holy shit. So that is a very well-rounded life. That's a decent life. Yeah. For, for someone that was like, like I said, when you say Cousin Oliver, everyone immediately kind of goes, ooh. Yeah. Maybe it's because his run on the show was... was his run on the show was so short. God, mm-hmm. try saying that. Yeah, five times fast. And, and what's that, that he didn't get like pegged with that sort of like. Oh, he got pegged, all right. <laughs> hey yo, you know, like uh, it doesn't stick the way that some things have stuck to other child actors. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, he was also, by the way, he also uh, cousin Oliver another show. He played uh, Ted Baxter's son on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Wow! For like the last season or season mm-hmm. and a half, where they kind of brought him in. They they sort of input more put emphasis on Ted's home life uh-huh. and specifically this kid that they yeah. tried to bring in for uh-huh. very specific reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know there's a uh, a Simpsons episode where they bring a where where they have a another kid that's there just sort of randomly. That's very much based on the uh, yeah. cousin Oliver syndrome. Yeah, that's funny. You, and you, I just you, mentioned that because I wanted to mention the Simpsons for Michael. We're back at right there. Listen, back. we've been playing this game for ninety something episodes. These things don't work on me. They don't. I am I am stone faced in the way that I judge. I'm up here with my gavel, and it's just like <laughs> he's not, up there with his gavel. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Nice try. Well, speaking of the Simpsons, I feel like going to take a point away. The now. Poochie factor is yeah, yeah. Is I almost feel like this trope Strong, could be called right. Poochie because of the acknowledgement or how how meta they were talking about yeah it was the same episode with same episode with with, um with roy oh was it yeah that was the uh, that was the roy episode yeah so that's it jeffrey jeffrey okay number two i'm going to try to cue up something here um it'll start with a sound cue uncle jesse you know after six years i don't think i'm gonna recognize my own cousins oh i think you'll recognize them Hello. Uncle Jesse. <laughs> hey, Prince. <laughs> How are you? Oh, this sure beats any port I ever seen in the Merchant Marine. Sam, <laughs> we're beginning to wonder if you'd ever get here. Well, if I don't know who's going to get a welcome like this, we would have come back years ago. <laughs> Ain't that right, Coy? Because incest. <laughs> yeah. So, so Coy and Vance, right? Coy and Vance Duke, the replacement Dukes, uh, who were given a 10-show contract as stand-ins, uh, but then elevated to the actual... Uh, um, cousins of Catherine Bach, and the reason, only reason they're even noticeable in this scene, because she's wearing full-length um, jeans and not her cutoff. So, but that was an auspicious entrance. Um, you couldn't see it, uh, our viewers, but the Oldsmobile Chevrolet—I don't know what that thing is—just shot about 300 feet into the sky, obviously launched by a trebuchet or something. <laughs> it's a charger, I believe. Charger. Um, 
But as a kid, I do recall I I was a little late to the game with the Dukes, and by the time I fell in love with them and had the Dukes of Hazard lunchbox, fuck me if Coy and Vance didn't show up on the <laughs> scene the up. and screw the whole thing up um, because Tom Wolpat and Sean Schneider were um, concerned about their contract dispute and merchandising royalties on things like that very lunchbox that I had were what made them quit the show to renegotiate their contract out of protest. And Catherine Bach was also going to walk out, but she didn't uh, because they said that uh, they told her to stay on the show because it might not even be there anymore. But uh, Byron Cherry played Coy Duke and Christopher Mayer played Vance Duke. And the reaction that I had to them were, were what I think is very kind of typical is what people see is they see these characters on TV that they love and they see the new characters come in as kind of interlopers. And I remember thinking... These people can't sneak into my family, my TV family, these dukes just like that. Um, so I remember just being angry at these characters for not being <laughs> the Dukes of Hazard, And then reading about it, like uh, we all perceive them to be kind of a carbon copy of uh, Bo and Luke. And it turns out even the scripts that they performed from had the Duke brothers' names the Bo and Luke just kind of marked out, out, crossed crossed out. out. <laughs> so Fantastic. all of a sudden I real I feel pretty bad for these uh, Byron Sherry and Christopher Myers these couple um, Hollywood aspirants who uh, are stepping into these uh, boots that they can't even fill um, but then of course ratings suffer and then they have to go back to the negotiation table with um, Will Pat and Schneider and get them back in so I, that that was one just because I think it was um that's like that's like um, like the MLB strike or something. Yeah, basically they were. Like they, they, were they, sat they, were out, they sat out for money. They still tried to. They still tried to play the game, and then they're like, "Well, you saw what's going to happen. You got these uh, C listers coming in. Yeah. When uh, they were, you need the professionals, they were scab dukes. Yes, is what they dukes. were basically. <laughs> yeah. And do you remember what scab and gab? Do you dukes. remember how they wrote Bo and Luke off? Jeff, do you remember this? I do remember it. Just uh, you tell me. I, I, they, they went off to go drive NASCAR. NASCAR. Okay. Yeah. Which. What the fuck? <laughs> the two of them are they like? I I I know a little. That's how NASCAR works. You got two in a car. At the yeah, same I, time. as I was gonna say, I know a little bit about NASCAR. You generally don't have a passenger, mm-hmm. and generally they don't have two hundred foot jumps. Yeah. at Talladega. What's so funny though is I feel like um, here's a show that's filled with false Southern archetypes. Anyhow, like everybody knew that this, even like a cartoon. It's like a cartoon. Everybody knew that all this is fake. Why are you going to protest that that your fake characters are replaced by even more fake characters? Right. I don't even get that. The, authentic- the authenticity somehow yeah. has been ruined by bringing in Koi and Vance. Right, and in the 27 and a half minutes that this show is on every every week, seven of those minutes, it's a fucking stunt driver in that damn car. It's not them anyway. So. And another three minutes is, is basically shots of Catherine Bach's ass or yeah. tits. Yeah. So, so there's really not that much left. Maybe uh, another minute and a half of, uh, <laughs> of, 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 of a bloodhound. Yeah. And uh, and maybe... Roscoe Mer- Pete Coltrane. Merle Haggard Merle playing Hag- at the Crows and us, and we're, yeah. we're set. There we go. Yeah, we really don't... That's the thing. I think you're, you're right. I mean, the characters on that show didn't mean shit. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no difference between Bo and Luke Duke as characters. Yeah. They were just there as as plot devices mm-hmm. to be able to get the cars to jump. Yeah. That's all they were. Right. This was kind of like if we if Burt Reynolds would have done Hooper, the TV show, or something like that, then we would have rather watched that. But no, oh, sure. we had these guys. So, uh, so there's my choice. Okay. Well, both of you gentlemen have given um, two choices. So we're now at our halftime. And... Um, as we're halfway through, this is the part where we kind of beg you 
to rate and review our podcast. But first, uh, we'd like to suggest using Audible. Uh, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Want some more info how to introduce a new character halfway through your show? Try Why Does the Screenwriter Cross the Road? What a hacky title. Um, by Joe Guilford. Uh, with 180,000 other titles, Audible has it all. And maybe you can choose a different book than that one, because, man, that is a bad title. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Head out there today. But first, give us ratings. Five-star ratings. Rate our show. Go to Audible. No, no. You said rate our show. <laughs> rate our show. Six, star, to, six stars if you can. If seven. you can squeeze a six or a seven star in there on iTunes, it would be great. Just do it. Turn off the podcast and do it right now. It's not going to get any better than this, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling, guys. Jeff, don't, don't jump in. It's the only way he's going to learn. You're doing so well, Michael. Jeff, don't, heavy. St- me he, me don't. right now. Rate our show. Right now. Give Give, give star. Give rate stars stroke. now. You have to have him in. Have to have him in his chair for the rest of the show. Yeah. And we're back. Wait, he's in, he does have it. He is in the chair for the rest of the show. <laughs> Never mind. Mm-hmm. Richard, yes. What's your third choice? Oh, oh shit! We're doing this thing now. Okay. Uh, my third choice is Charles Emerson Winchester from Mash, which I think you mentioned a little bit earlier yeah. ago. Um, another example of bringing in a new character to a show, and I think changing the dynamic in a positive way. He was brought in after Frank Burns was written off the show. And as great as Larry Linville was on the show as Frank, I mean, a classic TV character, that character had gotten really one note by the end. It was like, how how many times can you write that Frank is a bad, it's just bad at everything. You know, bad, bad surgeon, bad person, bad soldier, bad at life. And there was just no way that that show could grow at all if you just kept having... And he just got more and more doofusy, sort of like as the series would go on. And so I think when they brought in Winchester as a character, he became not just like kind of a, a whipping post for Hawkeye at, and everyone else there. You know, he was somebody who I think was a, an actual foil for Hawkeye. He was somebody who could give as good as he got. He wasn't somebody that was a buffoon. He was someone who was an accomplished surgeon, um, somebody who intelligence-wise can match up with Hawkeye or BJ or whoever, I guess BJ was on the show at that time, Um, and just brought a new dynamic to it. You you didn't get stuck in the same, hey, Frank is doing something, comes in and kind of acts like a clown and then shuffles back out sort of dynamic that you had by the end. And... I don't think it's a coincidence that sort of that reshuffling of the cast and bringing Charles in is sort of when the the show kind of took the turn from sort of a, almost more of a a broader type of, of comedy to a lot more kind of refined and a lot more kind of character-driven stuff, oh. I think. I, 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 I don't think it's a coincidence because I think you could do more with... You could do more with that character than just have him come in and have... Hawkeye play a prank on him or something like that. I have such a blind spot for MASH the TV show. Really? <laughs> Complete and total. Like, you could have named anyone and I would have been like, 
I just he's it, not the it, one who who's in a dress. That's mm-hmm. Klinger. I, yeah. we, we established that not I not fe- the one with the teddy bear. That's Radar. <laughs> mm-hmm. We established that um, earlier that I fell asleep watching Cheers immediately on after Cheers was mashed, was mashed. and it was just like I'm. It's eleven yeah. thirty, and I'm I, gone by then. Why yeah. did you miss it on reruns though? No, that's. What do you mean? That was reruns. Oh, they had on eleven thirty yet down here. Yeah, Ugh. I'd watch the channel. They had five. on like at six of where I was. I'd watch the channel yeah, five because we're better than you. Hal Fishman, Stan Chambers, <laughs> Stan Chambers evolved. <laughs> And then uh, at 11 o'clock was Cheers, and 11.30 was MASH. Sometimes it was Taxi. And oh, so yeah. those two shows are just like, uh, I got yeah. nothing. You know, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I remember seeing many episodes of it, but I never uh, became analytical about it. I never kind of got enveloped in it. I knew huh. that after, as a fan of Larry Gelbart and the, the prolific comedy writing, and I knew MASH was a huge hit, but for some reason the... The laugh track is what turned me off. Well, they kind of got away from the laugh track. Again, uh, as season five or six, whatever, I think it was, that Uh they brought Winchester in as a character, they really de-emphasized the laugh track. Yeah. In fact, I think the only place they... Yeah, I mean, they never had the laugh track in the actual OR, Mm -hmm. and they really kind of dialed back on it. Yeah. So I think, again, that kind of plays that idea of it was a show that was maturing. You couldn't have this kind of, like, goofus character that was sort of a call-out to the original sort of feel of mm-hmm. the show reading about alan alda and his desire to actually make a statement with some of the later episodes it seems like they actually had established themselves in the ratings and become um well loved by many and the characters had been developed so much that they actually kind of got to say something in some of those right. later episodes right and you're able to give because david ogden cyrus is a very good actor yeah i think it's a different type of good actor and you were they were able to create these plot lines for Winchester that could play on him more being kind of a pompous ass sometimes and you know the flaws of the character he was a flawed character but you could also give him a plot line like I know there was one where there was a uh, soldier who had been a concert pianist and like one of his hands got injured he was never going to be able to play with use that hand again and Winchester basically is able to get the sheet music from a uh, one-armed composer and it goes through this whole thing with him kind of teaching, like, look, I love music. I can never play it. You mm. have that gift. Maybe it's in, maybe you'll turn to teaching or composing or something mm. like that. And that was not like you never could have like Charles or Frank do something like that. So it again, it was able, I think, also much like with Cheers, they were able to, as the show went on, they could de-emphasize sort of the Hawkeye hijinks yeah. aspect of it and give a lot of these supporting characters their own episode mm-hmm. or give them, you know, an A plot line instead of, yeah. you know, being relegated to like B or C territory. Mm-hmm. That's like in the fourth season when Hogan's heroes started to expose the atrocities of the uh, concentration camps. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, when they when they moved them to, Ber- to, uh, to, to Bergen-Belsen, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a, a bold move on their part. Jeff, Sir. numero three Okay. you. Okay. You know, Richard, your example was uh, something where the character added... Um, the example I'm going to have is where people are threatened by bad ratings. And um, in 1979, this show had begun to sink to the point of cancellation threats from ABC. And so Joseph Barbera and writer Mark Ivanier uh, came up with Scrappy-Do, this lovable mutt oh, boy. who idolizes his uncle Scooby and just wants to assist Scooby and his friends in solving mysteries uh, Scrappy has some 
a lot of catchphrases. Let me at him. Let me at him. I'll splat him. I'll rock him and sock him. He also said, ta da 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 puppy power. And even as a kid, I knew this was fucking stupid. And you, you, and, 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 and really the voice is also what makes it like awful. Awful. Too. Uh, this says not that, your voice, Jeff. I mean the character. Uh, okay. Point the character's voice. Yeah. Uh, that who they wanted was Mel Blanc because he was very similar to a Looney Tunes character. He had a voice called Henry Hawk. And Mel Blanc wanted more money than they wanted to give him. So they ended up with some schmuck named like Lenny Weintraub or something like that. Yeah, Lenny Weinrib throughout the beginning of the series. So I just remember as a kid thinking this character was along the lines of, remember Godzuki? He was like this Oh, little, sure, yeah. There's like a, Godzilla's like cousin or yeah. something. Nephew? Nephew. Yeah. And you just stop and just go, come on, this is the worst thing ever. Um, Scrappy did, however, prove, I don't know if we're going to bring him up, but like a character from Sesame Street to be a complete dumpster fire, I think, as you mentioned in a past episode, Richard. He proved to be incredibly successful. Of course. Which shows how uh, the masses are asses. They don't know what's good. Um, So he had his own spinoffs, and in his shows it was detailed that un, unlike in scooby-doo where they they always solve the fact that something that they thought was supernatural turned out to be an old man with a projector that could shine on the moon somehow yep. or a guy with a mask that looked incredibly convincing grifters from florida <laughs> grifters from florida right. um in scrappy doos shows they're usually like really actual zombies and ghosts and, and uh, mummies and stuff like that uh i i I love this pick because it is so obvious. And I think what you said was the most important thing is even as a child, you could pick up on pandering, how pandering that is to just let's put some, let's put a character in that is like a child itself. Yeah. So that the kids can identify with the child, just like yours um, with uh, cousin Oliver, who is like, they had to bring in someone that was a little bit younger that the kids could kind of the kids today key they, they, they 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 love the bowl hit the bowl the bowl cut and the you know yeah but Scrappy Doo was, was such a character that remains uh, awful and yeah. just uh, annoying and like also a trope the Scrappy Doo is also a trope yeah but what they I feel w- like he's the most like poochy of any of the things we've he is I mean Scra- I mean the, the Scrappy Doo is the character who is brought in that you're basically forced to love. Uh-huh. It, it's not like it's not like a character you've grown to love on a show. It's like there's a show that already exists, and then they try to like shoehorn a new character and like, oh, you, you're gonna love him because you, boys, you love Scooby Doo, then you're really gonna love Scrappy Doo. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're fucking not. Also, there was Scooby Dumb. Remember Scooby Dumb? Oh, I yeah. was about to bring up Scooby Dumb, who is the one character that really deserved a mm-hmm. his own show. <laughs> they, he really didn't, but he was like they they brought him in a little bit earlier than Scrappy Doo. And he was within like the Scooby family, uh, but he was just—he was wonderful because he was so dumb. S- he was just silly and dumb, and like yeah. as a kid, you can relate to just like this guy that just goes like, dum, 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 dum. yeah. And it was just like pure stupidity. It was pure dumbness, like it, in a very uncut kind of way, which is like as a kid you love. It was refreshing, and yeah. then Scrappy Doo is just like shoehorned is just like oh, get just yeah. He he was the dog that that like like loves you so much that he winds up like chewing up your slippers. And yeah, like, fuck off. Yeah. I think that that Scrappy seemed to be a spotlight stealer too, and that's mm-hmm. one thing that you don't really want to see the ensemble broken up by somebody who's just begging you for attention. So stupid Scrappy, more like crappy. 
Oh, man. Nailed it. High so five for that one. Up here. Up here. I, love, I love how much man-on-man action I'm getting. <laughs> Richard, round it out. What's your last choice? Oh, sorry. My last one is it's bad when you have to replace a character. It's really bad when you have to replace that character's replacement. Ooh. Oh. So we are. Up. Yeah, we were doubling up. Boom, boom. I am talking about um, Three's Company. Oh, okay. Um, after Suzanne Summers left, and again, a contract dispute, which I think was something that was pretty frequent in the 70s with mm-hmm. these sitcoms. I think this, I think partially sitcoms had become s- so successful that they kind of started to outgrow whatever the pay scale that that yeah. that had previously been set for mm-hmm. sitcom stars. What so if I think Suzanne, there were a lot of issues. What if Suzanne Summers was saying, I want DVD rights, and everybody's like, What's a DVD? What? And then she said, I want digital rights. And we're like, what? Oh, you'll find out later. And then she hopped into like this time machine. Silver bubble and went away. (laughs) What if they just would have switched? And what if Suzanne Summers would have gone to Dukes of Hazzard? Oh my God. And then Bo and Luke Duke could have moved in with Jack and Janet. That, now that would have worked. Yeah. I love that Suzanne Summers is like, you'll never find another ditzy blonde in this town. Like, <laughs> yeah, we well. found two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so she went on this this horrible contract dispute. Um, they were trying to sue her. So if you remember that last season that she was in, they would only have, she was supposed to be in Fresno <laughs> taking care of her like sick mom, which by the way, not only are they writing you off by having you like off with your sick mom, they're sending you to the most godforsaken yeah. town they could possibly oh, yeah. send you. My hometown. God bless you guys. Um, yeah. So that that had to be like a joke, right? Part of the, like they're they're a, a dig on her. Like we're gonna send her to like fucking Fresno. Yeah. Um, and so they would have her like call, call, call back into the, the gang. Oh. Okay. For like, it was like a minute at the end of the episode. They would almost like recap what happened, and she'd mm-hmm. like do some sort of bit, and then that would it. And part of that was because the rest of the cast hated her so much for holding out that they felt like there was no way they could actually have them on the set at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they get rid of her. Hold yes. On. Yes. No, no, Michael. No, no, no. I'm going to, this is to be edited out. Um, I'm maybe I just misheard you. Who is the, who's the character that you're Chrissy Chrissy. Okay. Cause I, I couldn't, sorry. I just wanted to make sure. Cause I know that Ta- I couldn't remember if, if your pick was Chrissy or if your pick was, well, Chrissy Terry, Terry that came after. Well, Chrissy is not the pick because Chrissy's the original cast member. We haven't even got to the replacements yet. Who's the pick? Guys, don't fight. No, 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 I just want to make sure. We'll I, I'm writing it. it down, but oh, it's well, it's 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 both Cindy and uh, Terry. Okay, see, I wasn't sure. Like, yeah, that that's was where part, we're going. Part of it was like I wasn't sure if like we met, like we mentioned who the pick was. That's we'll, all. We'll get to we'll that's get to all. it. That's all. I just I'm I'm documenting it all. I just want to make sure. Freaking horses. We'll get to it. So they wound up, so they wound up eventually parting ways with Suzanne Summers. They bring in Priscilla Barnes. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. The first one they, they brought in was uh, Jenna Lee Harrison, who, you know, as Jeff, as Jeff said, can we find a blonde, dit, a hot blonde ditz? Well, I think we <laughs> can. She's also got to have nice boobs. Where and, are we going to find this gal? In Los Angeles? In Los Angeles. Go to the bus station. There's 20 of them. <laughs> so they brought her in as, again, it's never, it's always like, it has to be the replacement of somebody's like cousin. Yeah, or yeah. nephew. Yeah. There has to be some sort of relation so you feel like she's organically part of the show, even mm-hmm. though it's a completely new character. But I think a lot of the ways they do that, and her character was Cindy Snow, who is supposed to be uh, Chrissy's cousin. 
And I think they also do, do that. Do cousins usually have like the same last name though? and same personality? That's weird. Mm. And also the same personality. Mm. I've heard of identical cousins. Yeah, that I've heard of. But I do think there's part of that, right? That they, if you make it somebody's cousin or nephew or relative, then you can basically just write the character the same damn damn way. Yeah. You can again, literally, almost cross out Bo and Luke Duke and just write in Corey yeah. and Vance. You don't even have to give them new character traits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she was on for a year. Then they bring in uh, Priscilla Barnes, who's playing Terry, mm-hmm. um, who's a nurse. I think she's in there till the end. And she it, was a little bit different. She was a little bit like, she, she wasn't ditzy. She was like yeah, she smart, was, but klutzy, I think was like her, her thing. Mm-hmm. If I remember, I, I, who the, f- I remember her not, I remember her being like, just not ditzy. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. more kind of like, like stubborn than anything else. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my, my pick is, Basically, all of the all of the uh, replacement Chrissies, not just one. <laughs> um, and that was a show that did, did a lot of like they had, they had to do that with uh, again Don Knotts, yeah, as uh, as Mister Furley coming in and to replace the Ropers. Mm-hmm. They also brought in remember the uh, Cougar that, that uh, hmm. Jack was going to be a gigolo, and he wound up like started dating this older like foxy chick. Oh, I don't remember who that. then Mister Furley had the hots for, and they tried <laughs> to do this set up this weird like a uh, three like a uh, like a uh, love triangle type mm-hmm. thing. Didn't never worked out. Yeah, that was the show. I mean, and that show lasted. I don't know, three, four, se- multiple, multiple seasons after, after uh, Suzanne Summers left. Yeah, and it, it, it it's an example of there was no reason for that show to continue, other than the fact that everyone was making money off of it. Sure. And even after the ratings kind of took a nosedive from where they had been after Suzanne Summers left, it was still popular well, enough that you could throw it on, you know, Friday night. And make decent ratings, so there's no reason to stop doing the show, but there's no reason to have the show because the show was all about the chemistry of those, mainly those three actors. Three's Company had a very underrated opening title sequence. Yeah, of them at the San Diego Zoo. At the San Diego Zoo Santa and Santa roller rollerblading. Oh, okay, Santa. Like, what was that supposed to? Be? San Diego. San Diego. Okay. Like, yeah, rollerblading, roller skating along yeah. the beach. See, and, like, it, see, she knew again yeah. with the DVD digital sales. She's mm-hmm. like, so in the opening, could we have rollerblades? <laughs> yeah. They're like, what are what rollerblades? Yeah. Uh, Joe Raposo of Sesame Street song fame wrote, wrote it. Yeah. Wrote, it's not easy being green. Wrote this Three's Company theme song. That's uh, and also I had dinner with uh, Priscilla Barnes. You did? Yeah, a few years ago. Um, and you ever like stop and think, this is re- retroactively making me want to unmasturbate to you. Like It was like a moment <laughs> where you stop and think, like, I can't... No, I've never had that, but you go never on. Had that. But go on. <laughs> it was this moment where she's just such a wonderful lady, and I just think oh, about... Oh, good. Okay, because I thought, I thought it was going to be like, and she was a total bitch. No, she was just perfect. She was awful. Perfectly lovely. And, and, so and how did you end up having dinner with Priscilla She's Barnes. just a friend... Of a friend's friend or Wait, something. was it a date? She was dating. Was it a date? It was a dinner. It was like a dinner party. And oh, okay. we all sat down at dinner. And, um, so it wasn't just you and her, like a uh, Shay, no, she brought, Shay Jack or whatever. She brought her much uh, the young, younger, very nice um, um, boyfriend. Okay. And that's, that's who was the friends of her friend. No, no big story other than um, uh, that kind of the fantasy that kind of gets a little bit sullied by <laughs> the future reality. So Quit, quit being nice. Jeff's masturbate, masturbation <laughs> fantasies. Yeah. They're really throwing him off. Okay, yeah. My my blood runs cold. My memory has just been sold. Angels in the centerfold. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Got Jay, Jay Giles just showed up. I dropped rights to that now. Peter Wolf. Sharp, sharp listeners, in. play back every episode of Mount Rushmore. You'll hear that I drop a Jay Giles letter in every episode. 
It's our little Easter egg. Richard, uh, Richard. Freeze frame. Jeff. Lovely. Yes. Wind it up. Okay. Uh, I shall. Um, I shall. Overcome. Overcome. So there was this soap opera that started airing in 1966, and it was doing miserably because it wasn't about beautiful people in a beautiful setting. It had an East Coast setting, and it was about kind of haunted, eerie people. Nothing really supernatural in it, but it was called Dark Shadows, and it was tanking. It was uh, like 13th of the 14th soap opera that were going on. It was flagging in the ratings, and Richard's playing the organ music right now. I am. And so they were getting, they were told uh, that uh, we're going to cancel it. ABC again said, we're canceling it unless you pick it up in, you got 27, 26 weeks. I think that was like the end of the contract. So Dan Curtis, the series creator, who had always wanted to do a vampire movie, decided, I'm going to add a vampire to this soap opera. And that's how we got. Buffy the Vampire That's how we Slayer. got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that's how we got Dark Shadows. And that's how they started introducing more vampires and werewolves and all these supernatural characters. And it they also changed their time slot. So it was, I think it was like a half hour later. So all of a sudden, these kids who came home after school would turn on the TV and they'd see things like the news or seem like, like a wet weather or hog futures or things like that. Or a show with a fucking vampire in it. And they would start watching that. And so these kids started watching this Dracula soap opera. Wait, wait, I have a quick question. Yeah. So it was just a regular soap opera. It was a regular soap for opera. For how long? But for for less than a year. Oh, okay. For less than a year. It wasn't like on, on TV for like five years as a regular soap no. opera. And then... And then along came a vampire. No, no, okay, no it's okay. not like it, this was all my children, and sudden, suddenly Susan Lucci became a werewolf. Yeah, which, yeah. by the way, they should have. Yeah, let's that? think about that. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Um, but uh, and also Jonathan Frid, uh, the actor playing Barnabas Collins, had a 13-week contract, so they were gonna just have a vampire in there for a while. <laughs> so, but I love the fact that that they just decided. You know, we'll save this show by changing the genre completely and add Dracula to this thing. So we well, you know Baywatch used to be set in a Victorian England. <laughs> it was an executive produced by Merchant Ivory is their first uh-huh. TV show. Oh, that's right. And one guy and turned then, another guy said, "You like boobies? Yeah, me too. Let's do that. More of that." <laughs> so I I love that. Um, sometimes you take a daring choice, and in a lot of these cases, uh, these people really had no choice. It was no. It was changed to show. Or no show, uh, but these guys entirely changed kind of what ultimately be the. It would still be a soap opera, and it'd still have these dark, foreboding themes and things like that. But now it would have these supernatural characters uh, who uh, drink the blood of the living. Yeah, they basically invented a, a genre, you know, the gothic soap. Yeah, which has you know, there've been several of yeah, those like since. Yeah, True Blood or even no. Buffy to some extent had like a soap uh-huh. opera kind of like uh-huh. feel to it. They basically invented it by accident, yeah. it sounds like, or out of, like, panic. Yeah, so it sounds like Richard likes my choices, and if the judge likes my choices, then I think I got this thing wrapped up. More pandering? Write that down. <laughs> so, uh, I, th- I think we, this is... I think real, this, real quick. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, it w- was Dark Shadows... So, was it a hit after that? Yes, it was how a hit. It, How long did it last after uh, after that? It ran until 1971. So, and that was 66? Yeah, and it, sp- it spawned feature films, and there was the... The Tim Burton one and stuff like that. So it had TV movies and these things after that. So I think it might have I, even I, been rebooted. I do like that um, it is like the most Tim Burton-y of ideas for him to jump on board of something from his childhood that yeah. involved a vampire and 
you know, the, I, I saw the movie. It was very, um, it's kind of silly. There's like a, a yeah. It was. I, it wasn't I, terrible. I enjoy, I enjoyed it. Like it was nice to see actually another movie in which Tim Burton comes along and like <laughs> Tim Burton's up or something or else that someone else had created. Before. Yeah, we should do a Tim Burton episode, <laughs> you guys. Johnny Depp plays an eccentric outsider who is largely misunderstood and is very pale. And is very pale. But I felt like it had comedic moments that um, that I didn't expect. And finally, I mean, it's like, geez, play Dracula already, Johnny Depp. Like he'd been kind of flirting around it for so long. So. A vampire, I uh, yeah, and 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 without dark shadows, we would not have had passions. Yes, oh, so that's the weird, yeah, yeah. the most incredible bad uh-huh. uh, soap opera of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Okay, so I'm going. Is it to... really a good point? Yeah, you think it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take away a point for more pandering. Pandering, you guys. Well, that was, wasn't even. I like that I'm the one that seems like the most gullible. Like we've <laughs> we've done ninety something episodes so far. And uh, last week, Richard was the guest judge, and I don't think we pandered very much to him, did we? No. Because I, I don't have a soul. That's the problem. All I have is a, oh. a, 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 a lump of coal where my heart should be. Oh. That was part of the surgery. So, now it's my turn to judge. I was going to offer a choice, but you guys had already mentioned it, which was Roy from The Simpsons, which was just... Stupid. It was so stupid and perfect, and then like... Roy just disappears the same way that uh, Poochie disappears. Mm-hmm. They're like, see you later, Roy. Okay, yeah. bye. It's just like, let's get this character out of here. I'll do, I'll pull a Richard here and say one that I was going to mention. Ooh, um, let's, see if this, <laughs> let's see if this sways the judge. Uh, well, sway the well judge. Uh, I think I was reading an interview with Sam Raimi and, uh, or Bruce Campbell. He was talking about he and Sam Raimi used the term shemping on set for uh, kind of particularly unmotivated moving from one side <laughs> of the place to another. And, the origins were uh, the scenes from the Three Stooges that were filmed uh, after the death of Shemp, yet uh, they, they had to complete these movies. They had a movies. stand-in, right? Yeah, so they had to have a stand-in. So, a shemp-in, uh, A shemp <laughs> yeah. So if it's a scene where the three knuckleheads are making pies, you know, they say, let's go! Mo motivates them outside of the room, and then whoever is playing Shemp posthumously, his face is always covered up with pies, or yeah. he just has a huge hat on his head it's, for no reason. It's a lot of Bella Lugosi from Plan 9 yes. type stuff. A lot of cape in yeah. front of the person. Or... I, yeah. It, it, by the way, uh, a podcast recommendation. If you get a chance, there's a podcast called uh, We Got This. Oh. Uh, where they, not at all similar to us because they try and pick the best of whatever the tech okay. topic is. They pick one. So okay. we do four. Yeah. So we're so like four times as good. Yeah. Um, but they had Billy West on as a guest. Oh, cool. Who was a... Uh, a Voice actor extraordinaire. Well, you know, obviously voice actor extraordinaire, but also is a uh, Three Stooges, not just oh. aficionado, but like historian. Like he oh, was cool. when they did the Three Stooges movie, they brought him in as like the the technical oh, yeah. Three Stooges. Oh, he guy. does the best Larry Fine. On, oh, his on Larry it. Fine is incredible. So they they had him do a whole episode, and he just knows the history of like yeah, Shimp after his stroke, and like it, all the uh-huh. the random ones they brought in after Shimp. So I'd say if, if after you're done with this episode, go back and listen to the 90 plus episodes that we still have. And then go and listen to that episode. Oh, we cool. got this. Um, by the way, I my originally, <laughs> Michael. Originally, I had um, <laughs> I had Reverend Jim from Taxi on my list, mm. and then you said you have a giant blind spot for Taxi, so I, I axed the shit out of that one. Wow, I didn't know he was in addition. Like, he was in addition. Uh, he was a uh, he was in one episode of the first season to mi- he was trying to marry a couple of the characters uh-huh. that didn't wind up getting married, and then he kind of came back for a couple episodes in season two, and then halfway through the season they said, yeah. We could probably work yeah. with him as a character. Oh, right on. So. Also, by the way, I... Oh, my God. No more also's. 
let's, let's just cut. Let's cut. Let's cut this out right after my intro. Okay. And then we're done. And then I'm just going <laughs> to jump to the four. We can improve every episode exponentially by doing that. Okay. Here are my four choices. Uh, Richard, you're going to get a point for Rebecca Howe, um, mostly because she. Why? Ha- yeah. Oh. I'm losing the point. Aren't I? <laughs> I got to reverse the sound effect to get the point so taken away. <laughs> uh, she had big roles to fill, oh, she sure, uh, she replacing did. Shelley Long, but she was. Uh... <laughs> Side note: My f- ex-father-in-law went to school with uh, Kirstie Alley, and he, uh, she was drunk in a tree once. What? Um, yeah. What? He said she was the biggest slut in K- University of Kansas. <laughs> she was she fuck everybody. In a tree. <laughs> he found her drunk in a tree. Oh, what happened? Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rebecca Howe, dynamic actress uh, on the show, but very different than um, Shelley Long. Than yeah. Shelley Long, very physical. She could do a lot of things that sh- uh, that uh, Shelley Long uh, d- didn't do and couldn't do, like look attractive. Um, number two, I'm going to select the uh, the replacement Dukes from the Dukes of Hazard. Sweet, I love the idea of characters brought in, showed that they don't have the same metal and are just. They just they just screwed themselves over, and it just turned out to be more of a payday for um, Bo and Luke. So yeah, Uh, Coy and Vance are headed to Turkey Pass. Little do they know the bridge is out. (laughs) Oh, I guess they're gonna die a fiery death. Um, Richard, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff. uh, Scrappy Doo. I love the obvious pandering, and it was a pandering that came out after like the cousin Oliver thing that I'm guessing they thought would have been a really good idea. That they that they were like. This guy is gonna sell, and then for for Scrappy Doo, it just seemed like everybody everybody got it that he yeah. sucked. Yeah, and I also like that we got to talk about uh, Scooby Dunn a little bit. It's <laughs> his personal favorite. Um, Richard, you would have gotten a point oh. as soon as you started to talk about Three's Company because I thought you were gonna talk <laughs> about um, Don Knotts replacing Norman Fell, and I thought, wow, that was very poetic. You mean you we, want me to talk about that instead? <laughs> since Jeff brought up his. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Andy Griffith show. I thought yeah. I thought that would have been so poetic, but then you went with um, Chrissy and Cindy, and and uh, at the end of the day, though, uh, I begrudgingly have to give you a point for Cousin Oliver. I love the Dark Shadows pick, Jeff, oh. but it wasn't it wasn't oh, a sitcom. Oh, and and I am a man that goes by the letter of the law. I thought that was yeah. a fabulous choice. You're I love I love the idea. I love the idea that yeah. it was like genre changing. And they, it was just going to be like an accident and a weird mm-hmm. thing, but not a sitcom. Oh, I got fucked. I fucked you, myself. Yeah, I just it's played the fine, myself. You, you didn't, you know, it's the it's the fine print. Yeah, I picked this one too. It's what a very an thin line between clever and, clever stupid. and stupid. So those are my four. And cousin Oliver, like I, I don't really care, but he's iconic in just that. He's the one. He's that cousin everyone, Oliver. Yeah, he's the one you talk about. As Michelangelo too. All right, guys, this was a good episode. This is it fun. Was. I loved uh, raking you guys over the coals, and then uh, you guys can, not listening to me for fifty-seven minutes, or Jeff, however can, long the fuck can, we've been on here. Can, can Jeff Jesus come, Christ! Can we go home? Can, can Jeff come back now? <laughs> yeah, host? next week join it. Join us where Jeff returns uh, some sense and some order yeah, to this mess. You guys, please have that the judge rope cleaned or fumigated. I need to. Oh, never mind. <laughs> There's, of, There's been a lice outbreak have here. My the show. Polished. <laughs> this has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm, I'm Jeff. Oh, we just got replaced with three cooler guys. <laughs>